part two of the second episode, I'll be continuing my conversation with Bernard Hurley, CEO and founder of Family Environmental and Minalto Health. I'm a part of this community today. Like at one time, I was a part of no community, my own community, a drug community. Right. You were running with a, a very hard crowd and right. motorcycle gangs, and you were actually on the run for a little while. I certainly was. And um, one day it just came to a head, right? They, yeah, well, they, one, they, they, they caught up to you. Yeah, one day, yeah, did they catch up with me? I mean, like they called me, I was in a hotel room, and it looked like I had the army outside the room. I mean, they were full assault rifles and camouflage, and it was the FBI SWAT team, and and they called me on the phone. I'd been up all night partying, and uh, I had weapons in the room with me, and so he called me. I thought, of, I didn't think it was real. I didn't want to think it was real, and then they, they called me back again, and they called me by a name that only somebody that knew me really well would know, so I, I realized that there's I can't hang the phone up and make the problem go away. I look out the window, I see them. So I end up uh, just walking out in my underwear with my hands up and uh, hoping that they wouldn't shoot me because it certainly looked like that's what they intended to do. And if they would have came in, they might have. They so might have. have and I had a weapon in the room with me. Yeah. So, you know, not good. And so um, drugs and weapons, you know, you make one move, it's like you're done. Yeah, so they, they don't like that. They don't like that. So I came out and uh, I gave myself up. And that was the last time that I was free for many, many years. You know, I mean... Approximately 10. Yeah, point. 10. I got locked up. I had no bail. I was charged with the CCE, which carries life, continuing criminal enterprise. I didn't cooperate with the government. So You lost your wife. You lost I lost my kids. wife. My kids went in the Federal Witness Protection Program because my wife cooperated and I was involved with some people that they considered fairly dangerous and uh, and so yeah my kids I didn't think I'd ever see my kids again and uh, which uh, wasn't the case but but at the time I didn't know right and, uh, so, so that it magnifies rolling up to this prison situation that we talk about so you can kind of get a, a an idea where his head is and while he's going through this process, you, you become the reader, you find these books. Right. You finally get out, you get a job, you get a, a, another story. If you, I couldn't get a job, nobody would give me a job. Well, you couldn't get a job in California, so they put you in... No, no, yeah, I didn't have a job, so they paroled me to, they call it public law, is when they have no place where you can go. And so they public lawed me to, uh, to a halfway house in Portland, Oregon, and then after a couple months there, my family, because they wouldn't take me back in California because I didn't get sentenced out of California. So the states don't have to take you if they don't want you. Right. And uh, so they didn't. And then my sister had a friend that gave, got me a job at Alameda Naval Air Station. And uh, so I was able to go down and I moved in with my sister in Pleasanton, California and worked at the Alameda Naval Air Station. But I had nothing. I rode a bicycle to work every day and... Mm -hmm. and uh, 
and that was it. I mean, I, I had nothing. When I got out, they had seized every bit of belongings I had, and so and I, had I imagine the restitution wasn't small either. Or well, I yeah, well they took everything I had, so right. I got their restoration. Gotcha. Uh, so and then um, while you're working at the Naval Academy, you, yeah, I got it was a construction job. I got hurt, like a disc in my neck, and I was like labor, and um, that led to me. Workers' comp in California, they had some good workers' comp laws, and they asked me what I wanted to do, and uh, and I told them to get into the environmental business. So I went to a seminar at UC Berkeley, and it talked about uh, it was career opportunities in the environmental business, and they talked about this the two community colleges in the country that had programs, and one of them was Front Range Community College in Westminster. So that's how I ended up out in Colorado. The other was in Portland, Oregon, and I thought Colorado was a better option. So you didn't want to go back to Portland. I didn't want to go back to Portland. Yeah. Right. So, so that's so I went and went through that program, and uh, my father came out uh, one weekend, or my mom and dad, and uh, my father asked me. My father loaned me fifteen hundred dollars, and I bought five air sampling pumps. And I met a guy in the gym um, that owned an abatement company, American Abatement, and they gave me my first job. And so I never had a job uh, for another environmental company. I started my own, and and, uh, and then I built my business like that. I would meet other people, and and uh, and I worked out of the trunk of my car, and on the weekends I would do reports. I lived in an apartment with an air mattress and a computer. Right. That was my furniture. And so, and how I really... Did, how long did that go on? It went on for, for a year, right, or so. Uh -huh. And uh, then I started, I started making money, but I kept saving everything I made. I didn't go out and, and spend anything. I didn't, like, I just saved every dollar I made and, and uh, bought more equipment. And probably after two years, I had an office. I was able to afford an office, and I had an office, and I hired one employee, and then, you know, started, kept going from there. Right. And, uh... And today, you've, you know, this is 25 years later, I yeah, think, I, I, something like that with the environmental company, that, to kind of give you the scope of where he's grown this, he's worked on Katrina, Sandy, a lot of the natural disasters, yeah, natural disasters. I, I think we've done, we did Stapleton Airport in Denver for 10 years, and right. so, but... We've done, for consulting jobs, like I'm a consultant, not a contractor, and we've done many seven-figure consulting jobs, you know, so when we go do these disasters and stuff, they're, they're, uh, and really, like, right now, that's kind of what, what, uh, your specialty is, what my specialty is, is doing the disaster work, that's what brought us to Puerto Rico, and, and, uh, and I fell in love with it down there, and so. Right. We, we have an office down there today. So right now we have an office in Denver, one in Kansas City, and the office down in, in San Juan. Gotcha. So. And what are you working on today? I know through you know us becoming friends and, and talking about working together, uh, he's become a supporter of mine and Art for Redemption. Um, as a, you know, at one point, I think you said family environmental was known as felony environmental. It was um, because you were working with guys. That no, we out. constantly do. Like yeah. we we put, you know, my heart is with uh, people that were like me coming out. Like 
spending a long period of time of incarceration coming from a really dark place because that's where I came from. And so like I wasn't a white collar criminal that did a couple of years and got pardoned, you know, like, no. Right. I was, so my heart is for that and we do that today. We hire folks, we have a workforce development program internally that we've had and have worked with the city on and, and, uh, and I continue to do that and that really is where my heart is, is in uh, trying to show people that I'm not, an ano- I don't have to be an anomaly, right? And to, to go back to your point, I mean, when I got out, I started family. It grew exponentially over time. And that was just because I didn't go out and show off. I just worked, saved my money, you know, and uh, invested back in the company and, uh, and grew it. And, and I didn't even... I didn't even buy another motorcycle, which is something I love, until after I was out for probably 15 years. Right. And, uh, you know. And now you have five. Right. Well, but the thing is that I, at the time, it's like when you get out, it's like now I can go have fun. But, right. But for a long time, there was no, I wasn't having a lot of fun. No. I, I was enjoying my freedom and enjoying, and, and really the story is, is it doesn't matter where you come from. I mean, like me. No, I'm I like I'm not supposed to be here, and that's the way I was treated. I mean, and they treated me after even after I got out. Like they were convinced because I was successful in business that I was doing something else, and I never did ever. And that's the unfair part about about the system because the system doesn't encourage um, success. It does not, and, and as you just said, generally that they're looking for like if you're doing everything checking all the boxes what you're supposed to be doing they're going what are you really doing yeah exactly and they're one then they start to dig harder and make things harder i i've been lucky that you know my pro officer is great and you know but he teases me sometimes he's like you know you look too good on paper i'm just like well what are you really doing i'm like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Because <laughs> I'm not going back. I learned. I don't like it in there. It's yeah. not nice. In there. I'm right. not going back. So, yeah. you know, and then through the process of a family environment, becoming a success and, you know, buying some motorcycles, starting to have some fun, you had the vision of something bigger. Right. And, um, you know, what you're working on today is, is amazing. Let's just talk a little bit about that. You had the wherewithal of envisioning how the city was going to grow, buying some property down in probably one of the rougher neighborhoods, you know, not too far from the train tracks, not too far from a polluted river. And, um, you know, today that has become maybe the fastest, hottest growing neighborhood in Denver. Probably, probably is, yeah, for one sure. One of, for sure. Yeah. Um, it's definitely, you know, one or two. Um, and there's multiple, you know, skyscrapers going in. And when I say skyscrapers, let's put that in Denver terminology. They're, yeah. they're, they're it's not Manhattan skyscrapers. <laughs> they're 12-story and 16-story buildings, not 40-story yeah. buildings. Yes. Um, but nonetheless, you've managed to, you know, find this property right along the river. Uh, there's a park that's going to be going in beside it and along the front, a river park promenade. And now you're talking to some fairly big names about what you're planning to do. And this is, um, you know, something special, I believe, for the city. So you've you've become kind of full circle. I I, I say this, you know, jokingly, 
and, and, and wisdom of admiration with you on, you know, a menace to society, right? That you, you were the drug dealer, biker, gang member, cooking dope and, you know, having to have the full FBI task force come arrest you to 30 years later, you've out now 30 years this year right. and you're getting ready to potentially be on the par if the, everything goes right of what was being discussed that I know of, um, a, phila a philanthropist uh, on the terms of some of the larger philanthropists that the city has seen. Right. Uh, I mean, how does that make you feel? I mean, that's got to one make you feel great, right? Oh, I, I, you know, the thing is that that once we talk about doing things with purpose, it's right. like I know that there's other people like me, right? Like that are in prison right now, right? And right. that don't have, that just need, like, you know, I do things. I have real passion for trying to help the hardcore, like that have been incarcerated for a longer period, longer period of time. Because I know that what that does to your mind, and the damage that does to your mind, and how hard it is to make that transition and adjustment when you get out. And for example, I don't know whether I told you this before, but we, I had the guy that I had that worked for me, Dave, that was ex-felon, he got out and he was running people out of one of my properties. That, that were trespassing and stuff. The police come, and he's the one that called the police, but he ends up going to jail. Right. And uh, and so I got involved to defend him. Like at that point, we ended up getting his charges dropped. But he shouldn't have been charged to begin with, and he got arrested the minute they ran his name. So the people that were trespassing and that were destroying the property didn't get arrested. He gets arrested because they run his name, they see his criminal background, you know, he tells them, whatever, but that's a classic example. Like then I came to his defense and helped him, but a lot of people that don't have that type of support or somebody that's willing to stand up and help them. Otherwise he would be back in prison today for nothing. For absolutely right? nothing, other than trying to do the right thing. Other than trying to do the and, right thing. And this guy's a, the, your property manager at that point. Right. And has the wherewithal, you know, back in the day he probably wouldn't have called the cops, probably would just beat him up and yep. send him on their way. Right. But instead of trying to do the right thing, and then the cops show up and run his name and automatically, well, uh, what are you doing? He yeah, you're on parole. Yeah. You know, it's All like stuff. it didn't. And then automatically. Automatically, they take them. Police contact automatic. I was speaking with Amy, my girlfriend, earlier about this on, you know, our society back in the day, the police were public servants. They were there when they showed up to help solve problems you know, change old ladies' tires, do all these different things. No, that doesn't happen anymore. Today, if you're a police contact and you have any kind of record and there's police contact, they, they don't even ask you. You just might as well turn around, put your hands behind your back and let them handcuff you because they're going to go run you and see what's going on. Period. And that's kind of what it's just become, period. It doesn't mean if you don't even have to have a record. If you get pulled over for doing something, drinking, driving, anything today, you know, I'm not, and I'm not, condoning drinking and driving, I'm just using that as an example, um, you're automatically, more than likely, if you have police contact that is more than a speeding ticket, going to get arrested. Yep. And that was not the case. And with all these arrests, they're just turning over, let the judge decide, let the, let the jury decide, whatever, the police don't, are no longer the public servant. They are, no, they are police force. So, and with that has become this, ratcheted up um, you know 
prison environment also with the 80s with you know the passing of, of mandatory minimums for you know cr just drug possession there's people I think 70 plus people doing life in prison today for weed which is crazy I'm not going to go off but that's just an example of how crazy some of the laws are yeah. that can get ratcheted up and people don't understand that that we've become a mass incarceration system and with the with the privatization of institutions, prisons, and the max sentence or mandatory minimum sentencing guidelines was the exact same time that they privatized prisons. prisons. Because if you knew that you were going, if you built a prison, you have X amount of beds, you're going to get $30,000 per bed per year from the feds for doing that. Yep. That became a big business. Business, yeah. And people don't talk about but it's in the trillions of dollars as far as the, the mental health and the health care and everything else that goes into that industrial complex. It is one of the largest yeah. businesses in our nation. And it's unfortunate. But, you know, kind of going back to this development, what you're doing and, and you know, the wherewithal of, of 20 years ago of buying property in that area and, and some of the people you're getting to, to circle the wagons and become your partners. Right. I mean, you know, that's... I keep coming back to that. How how does it feel to look back down that path that you just like you said you got out and all you did you just kept walking. You reinvested your money back into the business. You you did the right things. You became successful. Took trips with you know prior mayors. Went and worked on some of the largest disasters this nation has seen. Now have you know office in Puerto Rico, White Sands and Palm Beaches. You get to visit. It's been basically live there half the year or plus. So I mean, you know how how does this how does that look today? Where you look today, and, and ladies and gentlemen, I don't know, but you know he's a he's a leap year baby. So this is going to be his birthday year. What you're 16 now? Is that 16. right? 16. <laughs> yeah. um, a little joke in there, but. Yeah. Um, how does that look back over those 16 years, you know, because it was well, 30 years actually that you've, you're looking back. You know what, it, 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 you know, I think that I look back and I think that I'm thankful. I, I have to say that surprisingly my background or where I came from, and this is like, it wasn't as much of a deterrent to me as, and deterrent's probably the wrong word, but like I didn't try to hide my, past ever right and uh and and so looking back now uh that's probably the thing that that i'm the most proud of is the fact that i stayed who i am right and and i still do today but what it does to shows other people like other people that are incarcerated right now which i hope that people hear this that are incarcerated you don't have to change who you are you get out if you work hard here's the thing People like hard workers, and it doesn't matter. If, like if you're picking somebody to work for you and you work harder, your background does not matter. I mean, sometimes, a lot of times, what infuriates me is when you, you, you can't use the excuse, right? It's like you just have to pick yourself up, you have to, and you have to go, and you're going to run into setbacks and problems and stuff, but as long as you stay focused and you keep moving, I mean, you'll be successful. And a lot of what I did was... Like, I would envision myself to be in a certain place. And ultimately, I would get there. Like, I don't know how that would happen, but one day I'm there, right? It started as a thought, right? And then you're thinking about it, just like when I read that book in prison, 
about the environmental business. I never forgot it and ended up doing it. And, and what happens is when you get out, you can't let yourself get discouraged by setbacks because setbacks like the book I read in prison from Scott Peck, that life is difficult. The sooner you accept the fact and don't be a victim, right? Accept responsibility for what you did. And then today, the project that I'm getting ready to do that Buck's talking about is going to be a legacy to that, right? To that somebody like me that comes from a background like I am can turn their life around and create and do some amazing things and give back, right? And we're not giving back to society per se. We're giving back to the community and becoming a part of the community that we were never a part of before. Like we're taking people and bringing them back into the community. I'm a part of this community today. Like at one time I was a part of no community, my own community, a drug community, right? But now I'm respected in the community. People know about my incarceration and my background and stuff like that. And, and it's helped me. It doesn't really, I mean, it doesn't hurt me. And it's a story that I, I like to tell because I want to encourage other people that come up with your dream. You could be sitting in a prison cell right now in despair, right? But just think about what you want to be and what you want to do and, and you can make it reality. I mean, and I think that's the thing I'm most proud of is that is the story that I'm able to tell, right? To be able to create this narrative, right? And be able to spread it even like my project is going, ultimately everything is going in a foundation. And so it's like, you have to do things with purpose and you have to do things with the right spirit. Right. You know, um, I think I kind of talked about this in the beginning of the show on how I met you was reading an article on your project. Right. I reached out to Marissa, who, who at Family Environmental, and you were in Puerto Rico. And I reached out to some other friends about the development that I have friends that are doing developments in Rhino as well. Right. And they're one of uh, our mutual friends now said, yeah, come on over. We're meeting with him Tuesday. He, you know, I was like, well, are you sure you want mine? He's like, no, you two will get along great. And we have, We've, yeah. you know, we kind of, I told you my story and, and you're like, yeah, I got you, come on. Um, and so you've been a supporter of, you know, the art for redemption and you're a supporter on, you know, just being a mentor in life and how it is to get out. And you've become a close friend of mine in, in the short amount of time. Right. So I appreciate that. Thank you. And you do walk that, that talk. You are for sure a supporter of wanting to do that. And, and as you know, I'm, I'm wanting to help you with that and, you know, give back as well with this project art for redemption on, you know, allowing people to be able to create art on the inside, showcase it, sell it, and potentially make money to help them pay restitution and child support, not to be a drag on the families, you know, yeah. help the community because, you know, as we talked about that support, when you got out, you still had your family. They came and visited you at graduation. Your dad helped you get started with the yep. first 1500 bucks. A lot of these guys don't have any support. Right. And the only support they're going to have is guys like you and myself right. and us to be able to go create things for these guys to be able to do. And from that, give them a stepping stone and a little bit of a foundation to build from. Yeah. And, you know, I look forward to that and creating this with you and continue to work with you. And I really look forward to seeing what comes about out of the development. And just to give you guys a scope of this, I mean, when we say a little development on the river, half a billion plus at this point right. is the a million cost. square feet and a half a billion dollar yeah, project. Yeah, yeah, so so not bad from a prison cell to 
to, but you know, the thing is it's, there, there's purpose to it, there's a reason for it, so to try to show people that they can change their situation. Bottom line is this is, um, you know, my project as well was created in a prison cell through the DeFi program. Right. And it was something that I saw the human ingenuity and the art capability and the talent that people were creating these drawings and different crafts with. And I was just like, this is incredible. And they're trading it for a pack of tuna. Yeah. Um, I was like, there's got to be a way that it can help, you know, them make a little bit more, more money, pay restitution, as, as I keep coming back to this on, you know, prison sucks. It's a dark, lonely place. I don't care how strong you are, what car you're in, what you're doing, what it, that, that place sucks. <laughs> it's, it's a horrible place. And there, that just rolling up to that place, as Bernard and I both said, it is a pucker moment and a holy F how did I get myself into yeah. this and that is enough to make most people scared straight or at least for me I was just like I am getting through this I am not sticking around I am a right. visitor and I'm getting out of here as fast as right. I can you know and this idea was born in it and, and I was lucky enough to come out and have a lot of support through Defy, meet Bernard, have friends that have supported this project that we're become, becoming a reality now, along with the podcast and different things. And it's kind of amazing to see, like you said, the acceptance part. It, when you accept it and just own it and just let people know, yeah, I did it. I did my time. It's part of who I am. It's part of what, you know, the story. People are like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, people want to see people overcome adversity. Yeah. I mean, they're not trying to, they like to see a good story. Yeah. Right? And, 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 a, and a positive outcome. And the thing is that we have to try to, to help and support each other. We can't rely on the government or programs or the systems or anything like that. We have to take it upon ourselves to be able to show people that they can change their lives and do it through example. And the thing is that I, it's meaningful. Yeah. And I, I, I second that. And, and part of you know the, this podcast, Art of Redemption, is I truly believe the art of redeeming yourself is coming out as Bernard's story of walking that path and now becoming a philanthropist to the city that the legacy that he's going to leave is truly probably in the top 10 of whatever's been left of the city yeah. before. Yeah. Um, and that's an amazing, amazing story to be right. able to, to no, be, be your friend and, and walk beside it's you on perfect. this path right that's now. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's incredible. Yeah. You know, I, I admire you tons. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, doing this redemption thing and the entrepreneurship. And I really, that I believe the buy-in to the entrepreneurship of, once you get out, don't let that story of I'm a felon or being the no. victim or something ever hold you no. back from going after it and just making it happen. No. Because you know what? If you work hard, that's all you need to do. I mean, because the, the people, like, you don't have the stigma that you think you have, right? I mean, it, it, that's something that you're, that you're putting in your own head and you, you need to not even think that way. Right? You just need to go out and show that you can work harder than the person next to you. That's the difference. The only difference would be that you have to work a little harder than the next person. And that's part of the price that you have to pay for what you did. But if you're willing to do that, you can be successful. You just have to work harder than those around you. 
And like, if, if you're out of, if you're in construction, you're a construction job, work, I mean, that's what I did. I worked harder than anybody that was there. And so I always made sure that I kept my job, that I worked, I did bore, I made sure. And that's what you have to do. You just have to keep being diligent and, uh, and, and things will get better for you. Those scales will balance out, the, the scales will go in your favor, and then good things start happening for you. And part of that's mindset too, that you get out of that victim mindset, you get out of that ne negative, potentially predator mindset, yep. and you get out of looking for the easy way as we discussed. And there is no easy way. The easy way is the hard work. Yeah. That is truly the easy way. That will make everything, well, it balances the scales, yeah. as you said. The, yeah. the, the, the hard work balances the scales and then the correct mindset of being generous being grateful being thoughtful and humble and humble yeah tips the scales in your yeah. favor yeah perfect well i think that's um that's a wrap my friend okay. I, I appreciate the time no, no this, worries this is fun Anytime. I mean, good um, you know i'm uh, i'm excited for things to come for you and yeah. I'm, I'm, um, I'm excited for things to come for me and yeah. i'm excited for uh both these projects to come reality i, I hope that as we've discussed that there is a small space in this project for my project to allow yeah. people to see. And no, I think absolutely we have to do that. Yeah, yeah. right. So, yeah. Awesome. so that's, the, that's the art that we have to put up. Exactly. 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 Cool. All right, Bernard, well, thanks so much, right. man. You're welcome. Have a great evening. Okay, you too. Bye. Art for Redemption is brought to you in partnership with Radio Red Rock. This is your host, Buck Adams. If you are interested in being a guest on the show, please contact us through artforredemption.com. Art for Redemption is an e-commerce platform for incarcerated artists. We are currently collecting art from artists nationwide to be showcased in the first ever coffee table book for this genre. Check us out at artforredemption.com.